Cape Talk. Ask Dr. Josh. So you look around and you think, I've got a great life, I should be happy, but why am I not happy? Does that sound familiar? Uh, perhaps your career is going well, your relationship's strong, your family's great, and you've got all the material things that you need. So why then are you still plagued by a feeling of unhappiness? And happiness, of course, is a, is a tricky thing, and, and measuring it, I guess, can be even trickier. Uh, but uh, before we start considering why you may not be experiencing the happiness you feel you should, uh, perhaps ask yourself this question. Are you not happy? or are you not satisfied? Hmm, big difference. All right, joining us now uh, to talk about happiness, uh, I hope, is a very happy clinical psychologist and behavioural scientist, Dr Josh Claypoe, who joins us this evening. Dr Josh, great to have you back with us. Good to be with you, yes. I'm I'm quite happy this this afternoon. <laughs> good, good. I'm glad. So here's, uh, I'm gonna, I think this, a lot of the questions that I'm going to fire at you are philosophical ones because I, I, it is difficult. Happiness isn't necessarily a science. So is there a secret to happiness? And if so, please reveal to us all what it is. Well, let me say this. You can learn to be happy and you can learn to have a more happy outlook on life. It's called learned happiness or learned optimism. So dispositionally, some of us are born more happy than others. Situationally, some of us are in better positions than others. Better things happen. But our own interpretation of the world around us is up to us, and you can learn to be more happy. Similarly, you can learn to be less happy. So it's it's not all what's happening to you outside of your life. It's the combination of what's happening combined with how you process and interpret that. So when people, and I've heard people say this, you choose to be in a good mood, you choose to, and I've, I've always thought that sounds like a load of old hokum because I'm not in a good yeah. mood and just saying, oh, well, I'm going to be in a good mood now. I, I've never found that to work. So you were saying that about somebody's disposition. Is it, it's true then that some people always seem happier than others or have a, a happier disposition than others. But do you, do you give much credence to this idea of, well, if I say I'm going to be in a good mood, I can be in a good mood? <laughs> I'm laughing because <clears throat> while I teach people how to do that, I tend to be in the same boat as you, uh, dispositionally. So the answer is yes, you can learn to change your mood in many situations. And I say that because, look, there are some situations where you're not in a good mood. You don't have to be in a good mood. You shouldn't be in a good mood. And it's okay not to be in a good mood. But there are other situations where maybe something's not going the way you wanted it to, or things are not horrible, but you find yourself just not in a great mood, and the person right next to you who's in the same situation seems to be happier. It's in those situations that, depending on how you're thinking about things, um, it can determine whether you're in a good mood or not. And what I recommend to people is don't just say, well, I'm just going to make myself happy. Because that doesn't work. Mm, but what mm. you can say is, what's going, around, what's going on around me that I can find pleasure in? What's going on around me that I can be grateful for? What's going on around me that might give me a chuckle or a laugh? That's what people who tend to be in better moods do. They're searching for the happiness. They're searching for the positive. Mm, mm, yeah. Versus the rest of us who sit there and go, this sucks. And then we just sit there and we don't, and we kind of wallow in it, right? Yeah. And that's, that, that's on us. 
that is on us. And that's why psychologists will tell you that if you're feeling that way, you can, depending on the situation, pull yourself out of it. Sure. Which which sounds easier than it than it is a lot of the time. I remember when I was in very early recovery, one of the things that our therapist used to get us to do, uh, this was in, in, in rehab, was to write a gratitude list every day. And it's something that I still, yes. if I am not feeling, if I'm not feeling great, and I, and I have to say, as a bit of a caveat, I'm talking depression aside, because there will be some people who, you know, you are going through something and that, that is completely unrelated to, to happiness. Uh, that's just a whole, I, I think, yes. that's just a whole separate thing. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. That's, and that is a sign of depression. That is a symptom of depression. The inability to, to feel, feel happiness yeah. despite wanting to. 100%. 100%. Okay. So, so I used to, to write down, and, and I still do, sometimes when I find myself getting into that space, I will write a gratitude list because it's very difficult to be... Um, well, first of all, it's difficult to be ungrateful and grateful at the same time. Um, and, right. and ungrateful, I think, is one of the elements that leads me towards being unhappy. I, f- I feel, or I'm not recognizing the elements in my life that I have gratitude for. And therefore, that a sort of a, a byproduct of that is what I perceive to be unhappiness. Whereas sometimes if I can just write myself down five things that I'm grateful for, even if it's as basic as I have legs that work, I have, you know, food to eat on the table mm-hmm. um then then it's then then that can kind of give me a bit of a push me out of a certain space or a bit of a shift take one step uh, take a shift on that just slightly and mm. say write down three to five things that made you happy today because mm-hmm. see a lot of people will say oh, i'm in a terrible mood i've nothing t- i don't feel happy about anything and again putting depression aside that's a lot of the reason that happens is Sarah Jane, we try to avoid things that make us unhappy. Mm. So a lot of times we're not concentrating on the little things that make us happy. So part of the reason the gratitude list works is the same reason that an optimism or a happiness list works. Write down three things that made you happy. Uh, My dog greeted me at the door. Um, My coffee was warm this morning, and it wasn't raining. Mm. So again, forcing yourself, and I'm not, that doesn't make you joyous. But it just can take you from sort of unhappy to slightly happy. And, and, and you can learn to do that. If you do that enough, you start doing it automatically. That's the whole part about learning to be happy. Um, and, and learning to be happy, Sarah Jane, doesn't mean that you have an absence of unhappiness. Mm. It just means that you're in a position to see the optimism that is in front of you. What, and this is where that my, my sort of second philosophical question comes in and on, on that thing of it doesn't mean that you, that you won't be unhappy. You know, that, what do they say? There's, there's every, there's, there's two things in life that are sure and that's death and taxes. And I think that the, the, the Buddhist version of that is that, um, it, nothing stays the same forever. And I've paraphrased that horribly. If there are any, uh, people practicing Buddhist listening, I do apologize. But, but that is the idea, isn't it? Is that nothing, everything is ever moving. So uh, essentially the idea of, and this too shall pass. So on that, on that basis, is, is happiness a right? I mean, if we're going to start looking at why are we here? What are we doing? Um, it, are we here to be happy? I'm not sure that we are. No, happiness is a, um, is an experience. It is an emotion. And we are here to experience life. And many psychologists and philosophers will tell you that part of the way that we know happiness is in contrast to unhappiness. 
that we can't have a life, if we have a life that is solely filled with happy emotion only, then it ceases to exist because now we have nothing to compare it to. We learn happiness through the variety of emotions that are not happiness. So it's one of many. We are here to experience life. Happiness is one emotion. You brought up the question about satisfaction. We can call it fulfillment. Well, those, that comes from a variety of experiences. Anger, frustration, sadness, nostalgia, happiness, joy, bliss, intimacy, all of that. That is, the, if you will, the marrow of life. Very often we we decide, don't we? And I, and I don't know where this this idea has come from. That, and this this term that I actually despise, work life balance, uh, is that work? <clears throat> yeah, what, that that our that our work is sort of the the unhappy part, and our life is meant to be the happy part. So we've got to make sure that there's a good work life balance. What what are your thoughts on on that? First of all, on that awful phrase, work life balance, and also, um, I, I guess, dispelling the myth around it. Or I think it's a myth. Oh. I'm going to get on a soapbox. It's yeah, a short one, but I'm getting on there right yeah. now. Okay, so here's the thing. Work-life balance, by definition, makes no sense because work is a part of life. It's life balance. In life includes, for, for many people, work. So this whole idea that I must balance my work with my life is it's ridiculous. <laughs> you must balance your life. And you must seek the blend of elements in your life that ultimately bring you the most fulfillment. Work may or may not be a large part of that. There are some people who work and love their work and seek great, get great joy and fulfillment out of it. There are other people who work because they need money and their job sucks and they hate it. So, so the idea is, what is the blend in your life between work social, friends, family, pets, community, what have you. What is that combination that brings you the most fulfillment? And here's the thing. The formula is not the same for everybody. Mm. And nobody can pass judgment on it. It is up to you. But it's not balancing life with work. It's balancing life, which includes for many people some work mm, mm. where do we get this idea then where do, where do we where does this come from is this just a, a kind of a thing that's developed in society where we where we take on it? and i suppose the media probably haven't helped in this regard you know you you we're, we're constantly talking about a work-life balance but we're also bombarded with with images um of um well the you know the, the perfect holiday the per, the dr- create your dream home go on your dream holiday do all of the all of these things which actually you may not be remotely interested in creating a dream home. You may not want to go and lie on a beach in Barbados for two weeks. That might not be your thing at all. You might, if you're like me, want to sit at home and watch back-to-back Breaking Bad. I mean, that just might be your vibe. That's right. Well, and that's the thing. You can't have it uh, the best. or uh, You can't be the best at everything. <sighs> you know. So this is the idea of yeah. I'm going to be top in my job, <laughs> top as a parent, Top as a spouse. You can be great at many things, but the, but then and then throw in the media. Oh my God, I should be vacationing too. I must go on this most yeah. fabulous vacation. Yeah. So so ultimately, fulfillment and satisfaction is an internal experience that is influenced by what we see and what we learn. 
but it can only be determined by us. Now, the challenge we have is we must fight against social norms, particularly particularly more so for women than men. You know, you should be a powerful executive at work, and you should be able to be a great uh, a wife, and you should be able to breastfeed your baby mm-hmm. all at exactly the same time while you're playing a round of golf and drinking <laughs> bourbon with the men. <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. that's the idea, yep. is that that is impossible. So ultimately, what I tell people is this. Fulfillment is what you're looking for. And the way you seek fulfillment is you close your eyes, and you don't listen to anybody else, and you ask yourself internally, what makes me happy? What mm-hmm. makes me feel good knowing that I'm not going to be able to kill all of it and get all of it under my control? Yeah. You know what's funny, and I just want to want to end on this, and, and I've seen so many articles about it now. Now we're, now we're thick into the social media era, is that initially we all thought it was marvellous, didn't we? And we could post this, and you could see me doing this, and enjoying this, and, you know, living my best life. But actually, and I've read so many articles on it recently, this idea that the more you look at social media, the more depressed you will become. And I'm a complete yep. social media addict. I will sit and scroll through Instagram or Facebook and, and feel worse and worse about myself as the minutes and the, you know, the hours uh, tick by. One of the key things that I've done to improve my happiness and improve my mood is to switch off social media and stop comparing. Y- yes. And if you can't do that, because a lot of us can't, yep. I can't turn it down, I can't put it down, say this. Say this to yourself as you're scrolling through. What I see is only the best side of what people want to present. Mm. What I see is only the best of what they want to present. They are only showing me the best and the happy. They are not showing me the whole picture, just like I typically am not showing them the whole picture. And if you look at it that way, and if you remind yourself that for every happy Barbados moment, (laughs) there's probably a moment of feeling lack of satisfaction you're going to be better off, and it's not going to suck you in as much. The smart thing to do is to put it down. But if you can't, remind yourself that fulfillment comes from within, not externally, and that what you see on social media is only what people want you to see. It's not an accurate portrayal of their entire life. Yeah. True story. True story. Dr. Josh, it's been an absolute pleasure. And I, we would just like to say, because this is our penultimate show and the last time that we will be spending with you for the foreseeable future. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for contributing. Uh, your, your input over the last few months has been invaluable. We have thoroughly enjoyed uh, having you on. You, you always uh, give us so much to think about. Uh, and we really, really have appreciated so much having you, uh, having you on late nights. Thank you so much, Sarah Jane. You and your listeners, you are wonderful. It's been wonderful to join you from the States, and I'll keep my fingers crossed that our paths will cross again. 100%. Take care, Dr. Josh. Thanks so much. Bye.